Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Pete. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> well, hello, Pete. Are you there? Uh, you're both playing your cello and singing? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Tonight's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., number 119, The Only Light in the Darkness, is brought to us by the NSA, who reminds you, we're listening. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Pete, before we get underway completely, we just want to let our listeners in the tri-state area and around the world know that this upcoming Sunday, we'll be at the Philadelphia Star Trek convention held in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Yes, you heard that right. <laughs> Philly convention held in the Garden State. If you happen to be going, say hi to us. Or if you don't know what we look like, tweet us. And I think some of our pictures are on Twitter. Anyhow, uh, if you don't go... Um, we'll be podcasting about uh, that convention uh, to our pop culture podcast feed, as well as on fantasticgeek.com. I know a bunch of you are subscribed uh, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, which of course gets uh, repeated on the pop culture podcast feed. Please, friends, take a moment and subscribe to our pop culture podcast feed. It's going to be red hot this summer. And uh, Pete, speaking of, maybe not quite red hot, but speaking of uh, of uh kind of upward numbers what show news do we have well the ratings from last week's uh double bill eight and nine o'clock agents of shield eight o'clock the rerun of the previous week's episode um which was entitled turn 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 uh and the new episode providence um, we're up markedly in the nine o'clock hour, um, in what is surely an audition for season two time spot. And not to turn this into a big, uh, primer on ratings, but bottom line is the people who, uh, sell TV commercials, the people who make TV commercials, they don't care about how many millions of eyeballs are watching. They care about what the rating is in the 18 to 49 demographic. And it's now reached a point where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., though it has half the number of people watching compared to NCIS, it now is within a ratings point or two, uh, by which that is to say a, t a tenth of a ratings point to NCIS or NCIS um, uh, with Los Angeles. Is that the other one? So it's right where it needs to be ratings wise. That's the bottom line. And that certainly is uh, that's good news indeed. It is. Uh, yes, our debrief where we catch you up on what went down in the episode. Certainly a, a action-packed episode with, uh, I don't know, with uh, so much to it. I guess, Pete, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. Yes, our tease uh, features Blackout by the Bay. We have uh, a man we last saw escaping the fridge. We don't yet have a name on at this point in the episode. Uh, there is a man, uh, with a truck putting some things in the back of a pickup. There's radio hosts, uh, bickering, I thought was nice over, uh, shield and, uh, it's a politically motivated, uh, conversation. And, uh, this gentleman sucks the life out of, uh, the man he asks for a ride to Portland. 
then he gets in the truck, turns on a little classical music, and uh, we know where he's headed. Yeah, the whole blackout gag it struck me as kind of a, a cheapy but a goody. Uh, in fact, a cheapy but a greaty, if you will. Um, there's just that. I mean, it's, you know, having the electricians on the switches to turn off the lights as the actor walks by. But it works. It gives you this big expanse. You're able to do it. And then uh, as you uh, as you alluded to there, Pete, great end to the teaser with that classical music hits the climax right as the title card hits, kind of mixes with Baron McCreary's music. And uh, with that, we're off to the races or I guess off to the Philharmonic. Yes, but not before there's some uh, interrogation and uh, some inner workings within Providence, our secret, super secret base in the Canadian wilderness. And we cut immediately to where we were last. Ward is being worked on by Simmons and everyone is circled around. Um, And really, I thought an excellent piece the whole beginning of this episode did a really good job at exposition. They've really, I have to compliment the production. They've made these last several episodes coming off of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, excellent places to drop into this show. And I think they're going to see ratings. Um, and, you know, once it hits uh, Netflix and, and DVD sales, they're going to see things pick up from people wanting to go back and catch up. Um, what with the broadcast model and not a lot of the early episodes being available to this point for people to watch on demand and whatnot. Um, so Ward is explaining that he got to the fridge and it was overrun, but we get uh, flashbacks from his perspective of him capping two guards in the elevator in the face, uh, alongside, uh, Hydra agent, John Garrett. Um, we see him picking up various pieces of tech, the Asgardian spear that, uh, was the subject of the, uh, the Thor tie-in episode earlier in the season, was a new piece that we were shown this week, even though that action happened last week. And a really good way to show us, uh, at least right now, he's bad. He's done bad stuff. You shouldn't trust him, but they don't know yet not to not trust him. Pete, I, I totally agree there. And I think that many times I'm aware of of other shows that will do both previously on and then work in flashbacks i'm thinking uh of a of a particular beloved unnamed abc show uh that uh, actually started airing 10 years ago this year friends um but i don't know why it worked here <laughs> you're gonna let that it, one go wait what <laughs> i said friends <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely um i don't know why it worked so well but i think it uh, you know i think it did work now that i think it through for the you know podcast where we're in Two intelligent guys talking it over. Um, well, at least one. <laughs> They're well, far Pete, more intelligent than I. Pete, yeah, don't sell yourself short. Um, I think <laughs> the idea that it wasn't just um, exposition or recap or that sort of thing. It was it was dramatic counterpoint. He's yeah. saying, boy, it was. It, I went there and nobody was there. Boom, shoot two guys in the head. And when I got there, all the prisoners were gone. There he is helping the prisoners out. It was just... 
for for those of us where it was recap it wasn't just recap it was it was you know twisting our hearts even further and saying no they, they all believe him and they're all saying we would have believed this story you know a couple episodes ago or if we we you know if we were in the the same shoes as our agents so it's just really really effective use of those flashbacks they gave you even the the hazy color on it you know uh the 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 flashbacky style to it, which I thought aided in that, you don't get that in the previously uh, section. So I, I thought that it helped. <laughs> it's old timey. Exactly. Um, there's some discussion about uh, threat assessment. Now that they know that the fridge is empty, uh, we're going to look at the specific threat of uh, blackout, AKA Marcus Daniels in our dossier section. Uh, in full detail in a little bit, but um, he's somebody that uh, Coulson instantly asks about. What about him? Uh, Quinn is also name checked, and and Sky quips that you know he he plugged me in the stomach, and he's the least dangerous. So they know that there's a lot of bad guys out there, and Coulson is immediately thinking about taking a splinter team out after Daniels uh there is interior discussion that uh you know they're safe there but Coulson says we're safe here but what about the others and and that's our Phil Coulson he's more worried about everybody else than himself and then there's that just wonderful line I don't know if it's wise but it's right I'm taking the team I mean there's Coulson in two sentences right The other piece that was extraordinarily effective and fun simultaneously, um, not that the other one wasn't fun in like a bad boy way with with Ward and and, uh, Brett Dalton hamming that up with uh, being able to lie to their faces, but the interrogation uh, machine here, uh, orientation, uh, Eric Koenig calls it, uh, he says nobody leaves until orientation, and he says this is not just a lie detector. This is the lie detector. Not even Agent Natasha Romanoff could beat this. And Ward asks, did she? And, of course, the answer is like Director Fury would tell. <laughs> Which is the beginnings of the out. And that's, I'm not even calling that um, kind of hand of the writer. It's just the beginning of Ward saying, all right, so it's a million to one. What's the one? What would she do? What can I do? Because I got to think on my feet pretty darn fast here. Well, now the end game of, you know, suffering a street style beatdown at the hands of uh, John Garrett before showing up to Providence here is revealed. He needed pain. And later on, he's even seen twisting his fingernail. Uh, so that he can hide uh, how he really feels and his real answers and the the pain is what's beating that. But I thought we got wonderful insight, pun intended there, and that project insight is something that they're uh, asked about from uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the program to put uh, three drone-like helicarriers in the air that will simultaneously blast millions of threats around the globe. But um, the idea here that we get all this background information about our characters through the trope of a lie detector test. We learn uh, Melinda May's middle name is Julianne, that she was married once, 
that uh, Fitz is closest with his mom, that Trip, Agent uh, Antoine Triplett, is a legacy. His grandpa was a howling commando, uh, some of uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America's boys, from uh, the war to end all wars, Matt. That the would old, be uh, the, the World War II. See, I'm up on my history. Exactly. Uh, Sky has no last name, but Matt, as was a big hit on the Twitter, uh, what did they call her around the orphanage schoolyard? That was Mary Sue Poots. I wrote down Coots, but I was writing and you were listening. Uh, well, <laughs> the, somebody actually responded to the tweet and said uh, Sky's real name. And then, yes. you know, like, R, you know, RT, and then that. And that was uh, Clark Gregg. So that's as official as it gets. <laughs> that is as official as it gets. By the way, Pete, and I didn't, this is actually, you know, sometimes we refer to tweets that we made. This is something I didn't even get a chance to tweet. I didn't even get a chance to tell you. I looked it up really quickly online, which is probably not the best resource if you want to change your name for real, but on one legal website, which, by the way, advertises itself as not a legal service, but a way to help you with your own stuff or something like that. Oh, boy. Um, they say that. Uh, it's not impossible to legally change your name to one name. Like there's not something preventing that. Obviously you can't change it to, you know, share or Madonna. Cause there might be a situation of fraud going on there. You obviously can't change it to bleepity bleep or bleepity blap because that would be potentially offensive. But for sky to literally say, you know what? Hey, department of records, I'm changing my first name and my last name to just sky appears to be basically legal in at least some you know legal to some degree would she have to would she have to go to the same you know next state over that kind of thing maybe but not impossible i know they're i know it's kind of like within the whole comic book vibe you know what do they call you wheels but sky really could be named sky for real well i for one am hopeful that she will settle on the last name walker <laughs> Uh, that you know that we're going to get introduced to her twin brother at yes. the, in the the season finale. Yes. Um, so the subject of nicknames comes up, and uh, what did Koenig say? Uh, they called uh, his, his brother called him Lightning or Lightning Foot. Oh, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering uh, whether that was a full on Marvel uh, reference happening or not. I did not uh, get that one there. Um, Several times, Alexander Pierce, Robert Redford's now deceased uh, Hydra hailing uh, bad guy from uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is name checked in this interrogation. Uh, May has shaken hands with him. Um, uh, Ward was also asked about uh, Alexander Pierce. And we just want to stress that's not Alexander Payne at all. Yes, although he brings mistake. he brings the pain. You could understand the uh, the misspeak there. Uh, really love the box gag. You know, you're on a you're on a deserted island. What's what's in the box? And uh, you know, why are you here? Lastly, Coulson uh, is the reason May is there. Um, Ward ultimately reveals he's there for Sky, which was I thought that was smart editing too to make that a completely separate and not intercut yeah. interrogation uh, with the gun, uh, you know, and Koenig 
uh, disarmed both literally and figuratively. Oh, cool. You're here for a chick, dude. Here's your lanyard that uh, later I will regret giving you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete, I totally agree with you. I, I really did not notice that Ward was missing from that fast paced, cute, funny intercut. You know, we're getting, you know, the TARDIS. We're getting, you know, all, all these cute answers. Oh, we're getting mention of, uh, of, you know, Fitz wishes that Simmons would be there with him. More on that in level seven, I suspect. Mm-hmm. But you kind of didn't miss it. And all of a sudden, Ward is just out there in the hall as Sky comes out and she's like, I passed my driver's test. I'm part of the shield again. And he's like, ah, <laughs> crud. This, I, you know, like, ah, what's going on? Yeah, you know, the, the former cyber terrorist is okay. Yikes. Yeah. The one, uh, the, the Fitz uh, uh, triplet thing uh as you're shipping them right now uh matt as the kids say fits trip uh i liked when they simultaneously both uh you know remarked about the hairline fracture to the cheekbone um you know fits with his little big brother man crush on uh ward and trip as the uh as the threat to his uh brother sister mojo with uh simmons by the way, I'd like to officially suggest to our listeners that the uh, the Simmons uh, trip kind of uh, shipping name be Gemma Antoine. Combining Gemma <laughs> and Antoine. Anyhow, Pete, I just wanted to mention, just to step back to that Ward scene for a moment. Um, it was absolutely so gripping um, because he was being successful. And we, of course, don't want that because he's now yes. a bad guy. Yes. Uh, then he started to mess up and then... Pat Oswald immediately is is chilling again as he was last week. Um, he is such a completely effective actor going dark, despite being the quote unquote you know roly poly funny man that that is right. the role he normally plays. So, um, and Pete, I had a question for you. I was a little unclear. You, you referenced Ward pulling out or pulling at his fingernail. I thought that it was a piece of metal in his finger. I mean, either way, it's obviously, you know, it's a yeah. pain device to amp up the pain, but yes. it just, there was a little lack of clarity there. I wish that they, I, I, again, you're not going to have Ward go, oh, I'm glad I did this thing to mess up the machine. But it was just, <laughs> it was just a moment where I was like, for a second, I'm like, what's going on? And then yes. and now there's something gross happening. Oh, it's to like mess up the thing. You know, it was just, it was a little muddy there. Right. Um. You know, but but Fitz wishes that uh, Ward was coming along with them and not Agent Triplet. Uh, he's a horrible person, Fitz says. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but there was this moment between Fitz and Ward where he said, you know, maybe Simmons ought to check you again for a head injury. That's not the Ward that I know. Um, so they are picking up on it subconsciously, even before Sky learns the truth later in the episode um for the third straight episode there's a tense moment between colson and may which ultimately uh you know culminates in in her leaving the group but he tells her you know there's no fury you need to follow my orders okay we don't do personal anymore and he's still uh understandably upset about her knowledge of the tahiti project and he is still looking for answers there and with the connection with the cellist in this episode uh, brings that all to the fore. Um, 
on the mini plane here. They're heading towards uh, Portland. And then for the very first time after a lot of uh, mentions beginning in The Avengers, we see Coulson's cellist, uh, Audrey Nathan. She is uh, on the run, but not yet from Blackout. She's taken a jog. Uh, I thought pretty cute in terms of, you know, again, playing with the Blackout metaphor. Her iPod stops functioning. And then Simmons, who claims to be from the CIA, uh, scoops her up. And Coulson and um, the dwarf drones uh, driven by uh, Fitz try to take out Blackout. And of course, they can't. Uh, my memory is that this is the first time that we've seen those seven dwarves since uh, the 084 episode. So I guess they're back just long enough to be completely smashed. But um, I, I definitely enjoyed... After a little initial trepidation, I definitely enjoyed this notion that Blackout's escape had led to the uh, a backdoor to the the story about the cellist. Like it was initially a little like, oh, it's all connected, not in a good way. Like the bad guy that broke out last week now gives us a flashback for this week, but we're not even going to flash back to it. We're going to do it through monologues. But it all worked, uh, particularly on the uh, on the the you know capable acting prowess of Amy Acker. Indeed. Back at Providence, uh, Sky, Koenig, and Ward are huddled together, and there's talk of uh, Sky wanting to hack the NSA satellites since shields are all dark. Uh, Sky and Ward are going to go on a trip, and Koenig, uh, you know, talks about living dangerously here. Uh, little does he know how dangerously. He's living. <laughs> I guess in retrospect, that was foreshadowing that I hadn't picked up on on the initial viewing. But yeah, he's uh, he's foreshadowing the the very uh, dangerous living that he's going to be doing for about the next 20 minutes of his life. Right. Um, Audrey is, uh, you know, uh, in a safe house or safe location uh, with Simmons and she recounts the story of uh, Blackout chasing her down before um, that uh, he told her she was the only light in the darkness. Oh, they said the title of the episode. Um, and she revealed that uh, she trusts the now fallen shield uh, and its system, as we were told to much earlier in the season, she recounts how Daniels was a groupie that you don't get many in the Portland uh, Philharmonic uh, as a cellist and that Phil came and saved her, but he died in the line of duty. They were planning a trip up the coast. It's, it's all very, very sad. And Colson is on the other side of the wall and he can't be part of this. He removes the earpiece hang on matt i got a little something oh there we go <laughs> in addition to all of that which was wonderful acting it was an opportunity to sell that flashback to emote to to give us the relationship without having us see it it also sold the tension which i thought was going to be dispel dispelled with wholly by the end of the episode which is the tension of when will they re-meet when will they meet again um 
little did I know at that point in the episode that they were actually setting up tension that wouldn't be, um, or that has yet to be fully addressed. I mean, you kind of got the initial thing towards the end, which we'll get to in due course. But just the notion that, I mean, they're going to have their moment at some point, right? We want that. We want happiness. We want smiles. So there's kind of that, you know, in, in a good sense that like, uh, you, you left me hanging. I want more. And thus, you know, we can expect more. Coulson's biggest uh, qualm uh, with reopening this personal wound is, you know, for Audrey, of course, for the cellist, she's healing. Um, he doesn't want to reopen these wounds, even though Fitz encourages him. He He's just not going to go for it at this point in the episode. Back to Providence, May is leaving. Uh, she tells Ward that she was there for Coulson, that she's lost him. So all this... Uh, inner turmoil in the heart of this episode about the guy that brings us to this show. May's leaving is something that with willful suspension of disbelief, I 100% bought, obviously, you know, turning off that, that suspension of disbelief. I, I in no way think like, Oh, so that's it for her in the show. Guess she's fired. You know, like obviously she'll be back next week, et cetera, et cetera. There's going to be some sort of reckoning, in these uh in these you know final three episodes but again within the narrative of the episode i completely bought she's gone and for all i know i mean it might be agent may on the show but not as part of the team for the rest of the season i mean it could just be something that they they carry out for for multiple episodes here um back at providence we also learn that um Sky is monitoring uh, the intelligence intercepts. Uh, one of the bad guys that was let loose out of the fridge uh, made somebody disappear in uh, Morocco. Uh, Agent Koenig reveals that, uh, congratulations, Sky, you've solved just about every mugging ever. And then she figures out the lanyard situation. They are a means of keeping tabs on these agents he does not completely trust so shield still with the trust issues and also sets up the as you termed it matt very hitchcockian late portion of this episode it really was and i won't pontificate on that quite yet as we're not there uh, in the debrief but we are headed to a portion of this episode that was that was um complex in its presentation even as it used kind of the the quote-unquote low trope of the horror movie uh genre if you will but some really wonderful stuff that they're starting to set up here with sky in the nsa uh system uh koenig uh delights that uh hey living on the edge pays off and ward of course deadpans sometimes um Fitz has uh, figured out uh, a way to use some tech that Bruce Banner created. Uh, <gasps> Bruce Banner. Yeah. I heard of him. He was in that movie. He was. He was. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. Um, <laughs> to, uh, to rig uh, this device, kind of like one of the footlights. So they're actually going to put the cellist out there as live bait um, to try to overwhelm blackout uh, with light, Colson at the same time is uh, 
a little wary of the tech in that, you know, hey, I put uh, Blackout away, and what happened? He got upgraded. Um, yeah, nice, nice line there. Really, really was. It was. Continuing it was some to kind snappy of... stuff in this episode. Uh, NATO, Interpol, on top of the NSA, are all other agencies that get name-checked uh, that you know, are on the lookout for shield and, uh, that have their fingers, uh, on the pulse of this situation. Ward reveals to sky that may is gone. Um, that she sky says, well, she must've never felt anything for us. Irony. uh, Irony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the idea of choosing to feel comes up. Okay. And sky, uh, surmises with, uh, ward, about them us is a strong word well and pete it's in this scene when ward uh appears that we kind of start to play with uh that hitchcockian motif we have sky at the monitors and we know what what went down kind of some very recognizable satellite-esque angles of the the top of the uh of the uh the fridge right that's what, what it was no i believe they're in providence no, I'm sorry, but the, the 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 prison station was the fridge, right? Yes. Okay, so you have you have the satellite views, uh, you know, like of the tippity top, and that's so familiar to us from from the 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 episode last week. Sky's kind of there on the monitors, and then Ward kind of appears in the dark in the background, horror movie style. I had wondered if when Ward was talking to her, like, hey. So I have some bad news to tell you about May. She's left. And I was wondering if they were setting up intercutting between their heartfelt conversation and Ward noticing in the background that like, oh, look, here's the 30 seconds of footage where we shoot at people. Okay, we're in. All right, Sky, turn around. You know, go ahead and look at the monitors. Didn't happen. I wonder if maybe it's a cutting room floor thing. But either way, this is where we're starting to go. Oh, my goodness. These two are locked into a tin can. Ward is the killer. Sky, get out of the house. You know, it's scream. Just get out of the house. Yeah. And it's it's tension that they're going to be upping for the rest of the episode. Again, relationships, though, at the heart of this episode. Coulson is speaking at that point, revealing he had something nice with Audrey. Uh, you know, so there's a little bit of, uh, of an intercut there. Um, you know, Ward at the same time is uh, disclosing, uh, you know, deep information about uh, his upbringing. Um, And then it's then that the lanyard tracker. um, The lanyard GPS, I think, is is the the phrase, Pete. Yes. Um, So Sky finds what's left of Agent Koenig. Uh, She knows it's Ward. Uh, all of this, there's a beautifully intercut sequence where we have the music of the cellist as she's, she's laid out there, uh, to lure blackout. Uh, um, you have the haunted house thing going on in Providence between, uh, Ward and sky. And, uh, you know, before blackout is, uh, fried by Coulson after uh, Fitz and Trip can't get it done on their first go. Um, she finds the body and the tension really 
gets amped up. It it really does, and it's aided by the fact that we as the audience are ahead of the curve here. Um, you know, we know, you know, we have a pretty good sense that he's dead, and I think that that's a decision I would not have made if I was in charge of the show based on Patton Oswald's performance. I would have said, let's let's do some kind of switcheroo here because he's that good. But hey, like we hear nonstop, it's a Joss Whedon show. You need to pay the price. Um, but the fact that, yeah, he's he's good and dead, that then now really serves to up the tension because it's like she just she's going to figure this out in the next 30 seconds that like only a bad guy would do this. Well, if if he's shield, then what does that make Ward? Ward is Hydra. Boom. And they're still trapped in a box. You know, they're still trapped in a tin can underground. And how's it going to resolve itself? Really, really nice tension there. She's now realized she's caught in the house with the killer. You know, yeah, really, really nice. So 50 minutes into our hour long show, she knows he's Hydra. We go back to Coulson and the cellist. And uh, as she had talked about before, she sees him in her dreams occasionally. It seems so real. And here he's able to is a great device She's she's been knocked over to the side. You're safe. I'm still here. I promise. And she says, Phil, and then he's gone. And she again is left with the idea. It seems so real. Coulson, uh, you know, later laments, you know, she said, I never lied to her, uh, but she's safe. And, um, you know, someday he's going to get back to her. So there is that potential uh, to return to this storyline, which I have to bet. We will, given time. But now he knows he needs to make it right with the other important woman in his life, with Agent May. Ah, uh, irony. And, yeah, Pete, that scene, it was it was wonderful. It was an enchanting moment. Um, Colson there, quote-unquote, revealing himself, but then just slipping away. Nice editing where, you know, there's a hand on her hand. Who is it? You get the reverse. It's Simmons. Um I wondered, is that to keep her safe or is that to keep himself and his heart safe? Um, just some really nice, uh, nice extra depth there to a character who, you know, we have no complaints about. A character who is the reason the show exists and to just give him that extra bit of, um, I don't want to say unneeded depth, but the unasked for depth. Then you say, oh, my goodness, there's more to him than I even thought. And, and it's kind of a... a, a you know, a depth to the to the character that you didn't know uh, was there. Just really, really nice bit of story. And I think we're both on the same page. I hope she's brought back sooner than not. Clark Gregg is the sweetest smelling onion you'll ever know. <laughs> I could you explain that? That's not a reference <laughs> I'm familiar with. He's layered, with. man, and, and he don't stink. <laughs> layered, got it. Okay, got it. I, I, what a great metaphor. Well done, Pete. Speaking of Simmons, she gets with Fitz. They have their talk. She's questioning. I'm sorry. He's questioning Trip, and to the point, and I, I like that they didn't belabor it, and Fitz just comes out with it. You know I hate change. Well, wait. They didn't belabor it, but she goes, it's basically like this, Pete. Hey, Fitz what's the problem if it's not him and then he goes well it's because i love you don't like change like he's about to say it and we'll hit more on that and i have a, I have a small theory which i've probably blown now completely that will fully hit in level seven but ah 
that more depth. We got more character depth here in an episode with, you know, action, suspense, drama. Um, I think there's more there than uh, the, I think he's kind of like Lionel, Lionel Richie there saying, <laughs> is it me you're looking for? Exactly. Um, back at Providence, uh, where's the bus? Where's our team? And then we see that Ward and Sky are now in the cockpit of the bus. Are they heading to Portland? No, they're headed for the 084 plasma weapon that was recovered in Peru. They need Sky to decrypt. Sky knows Ward is uh, at 35,000 feet with the bad guy, and there's really nothing she can do about it. But she's put all the pieces together, which is she's read his whole, you know, oh, the 084 thing. She's She's figured out that it's, he needs her to unlock that hard drive. She's kind of figured out that whole that whole MacGuffin of the, you know who has the hard drive, et cetera, et cetera. She's figured out what his primary mission is, which that's just smart smart sky for you. She's figuring it out. I mean, I've loved this character since day one, and it's fantastic that that she's just continuing to blossom like the lovely young lady she is. Our secret scene features uh, Melinda May. Uh, on the side of the road in Ontario, Canada, duffel bag slung over her shoulder. By, kind... by the way, Pete, I just want to mention, yes. just just for the sake of reference here. And now I'm not from Canada. I visited that lovely country. But um, so she's walking distance from Providence <laughs> and then walking down the road where the roads are are wet as though there's been a, a lovely SoCal morning rain. <laughs> and there's these big billowy trees with you know green leaves just go blowing in the warm wind and i'm saying man i need to get to to providence uh, to, not to providence i need to get to ontario in you know the late winter because this is gorgeous it was lovely weather <laughs> so lovely a kindly asian lady stops and picks up agent may uh reveals that she's driven 500 miles not even a thank you um but the idea of being too late um why did you call me comes up okay and uh may is handed an envelope from the woman we learn is her mother um she asks are you going to take her out uh and she says no and that she's always liked Maria. And of course, because Matt doesn't watch the previews for next week, the Maria might be, probably is, Agent Maria Hill, played by the luminescent Kobe Smulders. The, the same Kobe Smulders who recently completed, recently in real life, completed her contractual obligation towards another show, which would only prevent her from uh, that contract, contractual obligation, which would only allow her rather to appear in one episode of one other series. She might be back in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now that she's not a series regular on another show. Gasp. Um, Funny I, I, that it was um, the scene in which we met May's mother that this happened. Why is that? Because, oh, come on, Matt. I really got to spell that one out for you. How I Met Your Mother, Kobe oh, Smothers. Sorry, on, sorry, man. sorry. 
I, I you see uh, the number of how I've met your mother episodes I've seen is uh, zero. So I was a little a little slow on the uptake there. I do apologize. Um, although I'm glad to hear that apparently it was a finale that upset people. So that means it's probably <laughs> really good. Either that or they were dead the entire time, which of course they weren't. Anyway, Pete, that little bit of rant over. Shall we move on? Yes. Time for a detailed look at our bad guys. Let's begin with Marcus Daniels. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not the strongest bad guy that there's been. However, you know, he was set up last week. Um, As I said earlier, he's kind of there to serve as the bad guy springboard to Coulson's secret love that we heard about two years ago in the, you know, in the movies. Um, one thing I was a little unclear on, uh, maybe just for lack of depth and was what was otherwise a deep episode. So like, am I correct, Pete, that his whole attraction to Audrey is just that he's a creeper, right? Um, I, I don't know if it's that, black and white i mean there's so much going on in this episode that is something that was not nearly as fleshed out and and couldn't be um but i I come back matt you you say you know not the the biggest bad guy okay in terms of powers i don't know if we've met anybody bigger to this point this is somebody who can who, who is locked onto the dark force and can use pure negative energy and absorb all types of energy. He's essentially impervious to conventional weapons. <laughs> and they had to catch him with pure light, not like a flashlight, uh, when Coulson nabbed him the first time. But whatever it is, it's he's not a mutant, darn it. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's not. In fact, if anything, this was like a really like low quality power that he had until Shield amped it up. That's what really makes his powers bad. Because he's not a mutant ever. Um yeah, I thought that he was serviceable. I mean, it was good casting. The guy struck me as creepy and and whatnot. It wasn't, as I said, it wasn't particularly deep in an episode that took the rest of the characters quite deep. I mean, we saw Shades of Grey with with um, Patton Oswalt's acting. Uh, when Ward was all kissy-faced with Sky, I was wondering, is that the real Ward who's kind of setting aside the mission for a minute to show his to show his emotions or his lust or whatever it might be and then okay mission back on was he kissing her goodbye in a certain sense you know uh kissing their past goodbye every other character got depth and granted they're all much more established characters but but blackout was just a little you know just a little two-dimensional not a huge complaint but just more kind of noting it Oh, I'll agree with you on the the two dimensions. Uh, the 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 little we do get is that they did things to him at the fridge. They made him stronger. Um, I was interesting and something I plan to examine a little bit more in level seven. Oof. Let's talk about Agent Eric Koenig. Eric W. Koenig, as I like to call him. Yeah, I'm not really getting that one. Well. I think some people would understand it, but uh, Pete, why is, let me ask you this. Why is he on the dossier? I thought he was a good guy. Well, the way he interrogates our agents and uh, even after that, 
keeps tabs on them with his little uh, lanyards a la Sky's uh, digital handcuffs earlier in the season, um, I think is certainly something that for a portion of this episode makes him deserving of somebody on the dossier. Cause we're not quite sure we met him last episode, but he held Colson at arm's length. He held the team further out. Um, and I, I think like the best shield agents, given that now we know they've been infiltrated by Hydra, you're never quite sure. From that point of view, yes, I think you can't. There's nothing to argue with there, particularly the whole tracking of agents um, initially comes across as creepy. Now, looking back at the completed episode, it's actually a little bit of, you know, what do you want to call it? Foreshadowing or just kind of a, a story device used later. Um, you know, he's introducing the thing by which the audience and Sky will learn of his death. Um but yeah, certainly a, a suspicious fellow for for a time uh, early on in the uh, in the episode. Even he knows, though, to watch out for the NSA. You don't poke the bear, the big, scary waterboarding bear at that. <laughs> That's quite a mental image. It It is. It is. Somebody needs to draw that. <laughs> uh, finally, we settle on Ward who continues his descent to the dark side and uh, humanized quite a bit in this episode, Grant Douglas Ward, two brothers and a sister. However, Koenig picks up in the, uh, the lie detector. His baseline is off and hence using the pain to mask the anomaly of his readings physical pain perhaps to mask his his emotional pain if he's if he's torn um let me ask you this pete the story the humanizing story of uh how it wasn't that his big brother beat his younger brother it's yeah. his big brother made ward beat the youngest brother and that the parents were worse um do you buy that yeah that's that's i think a logical place to go um we have seen a flashback if we go back to the thor follow-up and the, the second tie-in to that episode within this episode the first being the asgardian uh what was it the berserker spear berserker, berserker. um and the second being the well flashback uh, from that episode, at least on that extent, I think we can take it. But I mean, we can't trust anything coming out of Ward's mouth at this point. Now, I will say this. It does. It's it's a smart liar who puts in a fair dollop of truth. It is. You know, Matt, takes you truth, is. truth, truth, lie. And then you buy the lie because, they're, you know, the, the truth surrounding it is so convincing. Yes. Rather Hydra-esque, I suppose. I particularly enjoyed the uh, uh, the Kevlar uh, cut from the same bolt of cloth uh, back and forth uh, with Sky. There was uh, was particularly effective. Um, but he does the deed here. He kills the other agent in uh, in Providence. Um, you know, while Daniels is a monster. 
in the in the two dimensional sense, uh, you know what you're dealing with. Uh, there's no subterfuge there. Uh, you know, Ward is this insidious smile in your face and uh, garacha when you're not looking. And for those who are saying, ah, surely these fantastic writers, and they are fantastic, surely they're going to find a way to to bring Ward back. I mean, here you see again, for the whole run of of uh, Eric W. Koenig's time on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he was nothing but a company man, loyal to Fury, loyal to the institution, and loyal to, you know, the very best that the rest of our agents are are uh, are loyal to um and he gets killed off and he's you know kind of like cuddly looking pat oswald who doesn't look like he's particularly a threat even though he can act threatening so again it's just not like i'm concerned about what they're gonna do with with brett dalton for next season um and that certainly feeds my own um you know my own involvement in, in the drama for his character of ward by the way pete Speaking of feeding things, every week that we do the podcast, we have to feed the meter to our uh, our bandwidth and storage provider, Podbean, which is fantastic, by the way. But uh, there is some cost associated with it. So we just want to remind our friends and listeners that uh, you can help us with those costs by heading over to fantasticgeek.com. That's fantastic with a PH, of course. You can click on the PayPal link. You can give a little or a lot. Uh, it's all good and, uh, and help support your old pals, uh, Pete and Matt here. So with that, Pete, let's move on. Yes, we're going to analyze and theorize here in level seven. First up, Matt, who the heck, uh, made Daniel stronger at the fridge? Aren't you supposed to, uh, cool out there and, as Coulson quips later on, they gave him an upgrade. <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, we've seen uh, Fury and Avengers basically going the militarize up route. You know, he's trying to create these weapons in order to, you know, fight the fight the bad guys that we have yet to uh, to imagine that sort of thing. I mean, our, look, our choices are either the good Shield people or the bad Hydra people. The fact that um, the fact that Garrett wasn't like, "Hey, look, it's you. You're the guy they call Blackout. We've been helping you out for a long time. Come be my friend and henchman." Well, um, then I guess it's Shield who was doing this. Simple as that. The fact that Garrett didn't nab him or Garrett didn't say, "And look, don't get me wrong. I understand it's a function of the episode where now we want to give Bill Paxton some time out away from the show. Um, we want to kind of." move on to the after effects of his of his involvement i get that we want to get to the cellist payoff i get that but within the narrative solely of the show he's just let loose there's no hydra's not you know like hey let's go on some secret hydra missions pal so must be shield who did this pete i think that portends um you know pretty darkly for some of the other stuff that we know was stored there, as we said before, that spear uh, that uh, made a cult pretty much rise up um, in the well episode uh, seems to be in uh, Hydra's possession. 
um, the gravitonium, which we saw delivered to Quinn um, that Garrett is in possession of, uh, is in play as well. And if they made Daniel stronger and Blackout now would at least seem to be no more, uh, <laughs> unless, you know, again, it's it's superpowers. He could have just gone back to his his dark place for a little bit and then could come back uh was was really kind of uh voodoo-esque in the uh well yeah he just with the stuff and the thing and zoom but um you know we'll have to see but it really kind of scares you about the other things that have uh gotten out and two episodes in a row this plasma item that we no is Asgardian, if I'm remembering correctly, from the 084 episode? Uh, I do believe so. I think that, yeah, that was like the first reference of like, oh, man, it's like, the, or wait, was it Asgardian or was it Hydra-powered from the 40s? It's, there was it's some bad is what we know. Yeah. It's um, bad. Yeah, it, it definitely is bad. And um, I think, too, the show was kind of setting up the near future whether it's the remaining three episodes or um pardon me pete is it three or four episodes to go i've lost count this 20, was 21 22 119 yes so three to go it whether it's the remain remainder of the season or into next season it look it is impossible to expect that three weeks from now where it's going to be like and shield is back together ribbon cutting like this is going to be you know this is what you saw in captain america was in a fictional setting uh akin to some of the worst events that have happened in this country in terms of you know on our soil terrorism etc cetera, etc cetera. um and certainly the potential was so much worse right i mean millions of people were going to be mm -hmm. killed by shield uh you know yes with hydra behind it but you know you turn on the morning news and it's like you know shield did this um checking so, my notes matt from the second episode of the oof. series 084 uh we are both right the plasma weapon uh is 1500 years old it predates the temple it was found in it wow. is tesseract technology which actually is not as guardian it is other at this point in the uh marvel cinematic and, and television universe but it is uh, similar to the Hydra cells that powered their weapons during WW2. So okay. it's bad stuff, and the reemerged uh, Hydra has it. And now um, we know that Sky is being held against her will to uh, to help decrypt some stuff connected with it. So none of this is good. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, anyhow. Just one other quick level seven thing I had this notion that, you know, for for 18 episodes, we've gotten what we were pretty sure was the, um, you know, the brother sister relationship between Fitz and Simmons. And I think here's what I suspect. I think that that was the dynamic that they were definitely going for, particularly since they were built on the mold of um Scott Kahn and uh, Casey uh, Affleck in uh, in the Oceans movies where you know, obviously buddies there, although I'm sure there's probably fan fiction to the contrary. But anyhow, the 
the idea that they're just friends, well, you know, then becomes kind of quasi family. Here we see Fitz love. I mean, I'm convinced that he was going to say, you know, but I have feelings for you too. And you haven't noticed me. And it's, you say it out loud and it sounds like this is an after school special, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's a story that's so relatable. We've all been there where it's like, but, but, but I didn't make my move. And now somebody who's, I can't compete with. And you know, it's, it's wonderful for the character fits because now he gets to play hidden and unsure and the glancing looks and all that. It's wonderful for Simmons who now gets, you know, some romantic uh, abilities, you know, for, for the character, not abilities, but some romantic uh, well, action for the character. And it only further pulls Triplet into the, into the storyline. I'm convinced, convinced he's a cast member next season. It's not even, <laughs> I was going to say, it's not, it's not even a, a doubt in my mind. Here's the other flip side. We like Trip so much. What happens to him in the finale, Pete? Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, all all, uh, all bets are off at this point. And, you know, Matt, we're, we're assuming a, a second season at this point, which we still don't have uh, an order for. Not you know what I think that... on that topic? Here, here's, a, here's a level seven-ish thing. I think that the renewal will be announced during an episode of the show. Like, you know, we'll be right back. Like, not quite, you know. Hey, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., congratulations. You've got episode two, or you've got season two. <laughs> but I think that they're going to, where look, a lot of shows, it's just like, oh, no, Detective Madsen it appears to be dying. The end. Tune in next to, oh, you're canceled. Like, I think this is going to be full on, like, hey, audience who's really been behind the show, you made this happen. There's season two. We're getting the same ratings as NCI freaking S. Good job. See you next year. Yeah. That's my prediction. I mean, time is certainly going to tell. I on the um on the Fitzsimmons thing here, it's funny, you know, early on, I think Matt. I was the one who was picking up on more of a romantic thing and you espousing more of the brother sister sister relationship i think it's shifted um i don't want the romance now i i want them to remain brother sister and you know i i suppose with the addition uh you know more frequently of triplet you know playing around uh that tension i think from a dramatic standpoint helps i don't know i i like my my fits and simmons you know like uh reese's peanut butter cups but not in that way well, Pete, you know, I know why that is. That's because, it, you know, in, in, when you and I were both, were both uh, you know, younger fellows for settling down, etc., we broke some hearts. We were the trip for, for some lady and some guy that liked the lady. And, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of can look back now and sympathize and say, hey, sorry, man. And... Uh, it certainly will be interesting. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, it's wonderful character interplay that the three of them get, which is the show when it's when it's at its best. These characters are not just the gadget guy and the doctor and the gun. These are people who need to work together. Pete, Matt, you tripping? <laughs> well, that Pete. <laughs> Are you ready for some decrypted transmissions there, Pete? Some feedback oh. from our from our listeners? Open that mailbag. 
All right. First, we have an email from uh, Jamie, and Jamie says as follows. Okay, at this rate, the team behind Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is steadily working their way to a well-earned I told you so. Even if it wasn't actually planned out from the beginning, I'm sure they've done an excellent job. Uh, They've sure done an excellent job pulling it all together now. This episode in particular had a nice mix of drama, humor, and even a side of horror. Uh, As the internet would say, so many feels. The cross-cutting of the cello showdown and the Skyward realization was intense, mostly because the you're going to be bait, but I promise you'll be safe uh, plans usually don't work out so well because Sky doesn't stand a chance against Ward in the fight. And Pete, I'll pause Jamie's words there for a moment. That is an excellent point there. That cross-cutting between the cello showdown and the realization of Sky, you know, Sky's realization really was nice to give you kind of like a, a, a double paramounted, a double zenith uh, climax to the episode. Oh, definitely. Uh, Jamie goes on to say, I was really happy uh, that they had her figured out, though. Otherwise, it would have undercut the whole sky is so good at reading people thing Colson keeps boasting about. Another nice point there. Uh, With the last two episodes, it seems that the show is pretty committed to Ward being Hydra. I just hope they don't undo all of this fun character development with an emotional sky Ward scene where she convinces him to be a good man. Uh, like you've both said, I don't wish for Brett Dalton to be out of a job, but I think uh, I think how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. handles his betrayal will really set the tone for how the series is going to be uh, forward, um, which I totally agree with. It sounds like Jamie is is kind of independently reaching the same conclusion that I have, which is if you wave a magic wand and we all go, oh, Brett Dalton's so funny on Twitter, he's back then are we ever going to care again when somebody gets in trouble? When somebody, when there's some switcheroo, it's just going to be like, oh, they're going to find a way to make it okay. I mean, they kind of need to write Ward out in some way. And the only way I think he could be back, as we discussed last week, is maybe as a bad guy. But anyhow, Jamie says, I know I'm hoping for real stakes and real consequences for character actions. On a lighter note, I love the interrogation montage. During the commercial break, I remarked how awesome it would be if they did something like that in the Firefly episode Bushwhacked, where the questioning was a fun way to gain some character insights while letting their individual quirks shine. Uh, Also nice to know that Ward had to cheat to beat the computer and isn't actually good at lying. With that, Pete, Jamie concludes by saying, Happy Tuesday. (laughs) Happy Tuesday, indeed. (laughs) Um the uh the next email here is from noah might be the one that the movie is based on not really sure although i'm thinking no uh noah says another (laughs) biopic (laughs) what's that it's a biopic (laughs) indeed yeah Noah, let us know how that boat thing turned out um another (laughs) cliffhanger my heart was waiting in anticipation for sky to learn about ward the entire episode unfortunately i don't think everyone will know about ward until episode 21 uh, because this is a syn- the synopsis. Now, Pete, I will avert my eyes here for, from Noah's email. I'm not going to read the synopsis in this, this spoiler-free spoiler mindset that I have. I do notice that's called Ragtag, which makes me think of that famous Ragtag fleet. Um, but uh, I'm just trying to look here without looking. Um, let's see. There we go. I think I've got it. Uh, he says, anyway, I don't want to spoil anything, and I don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> Darn you, Noah. Um, well, we could we could read the next the rest of it next time. 
Well, uh, well he, he does have more to say. Um, okay. Uh, how about this? He makes reference to the idea that Deathlock still has a handler. Uh, I say because of this. Noah says, now that Hydra has revealed themselves and S.H.I.E.L.D. has been disbanded, uh, Coulson and his team are now uh, on their own to take down the now missing clairvoyant. But how will they react when Ward is actually a member of Hydra planted in the group? The finale. Oh, no, we talked about the finale again. Sneaky old Noah. He's he's hit me twice here. Hold on, let me fast forward a little bit. Um, Noah concludes. How about that? Sneaky Noah here. Noah concludes by mentioning some of the things that he liked from this episode. Sky figures out Ward is Hydra and does a pretty good job acting like she doesn't know, which I think is a good point. I mean, Sky, forget Chloe Bennett for a second, who is also young, but Sky is so new to this. Sky has not gone to Hogwarts. The whole kind of how would you act in a stressful situation? Um, she's not trained for, but she she's good at it nonetheless. Uh, Noah also likes the um, reveal of May's mom, likes the idea that Maria Hill is coming. Uh, then Pete here, some things that Noah didn't like. Eric's short-lived stint on the show. He doesn't like that Ward is evil. And he doesn't like uh, Coulson not telling Audrey that uh, he is alive. Uh, with that, Noah concludes by saying, I can't wait until next episode. ABC has successfully perfected S.H.I.E.L.D. It only took 17 episodes. So with that, Pete, any thoughts that you have there for our pal Noah? I really like the points. Um... You know, the the spoiler things, Matt, we know there are places that P will go that Matt will not go. Uh, I'm going to respect Matt's uh, boundaries for right now as close to the end of the season as we are. Pete, I think there's one more communique we want to share. Was that a tweet that you had uh, up there? Yes. Late breaking here. We have a tweet from AV at Mets Jets. Uh, so part of that is close to my heart. Uh, the other part is a really bad football team. Um, and uh, AV says, notice Agent May's mom played one of the aunties in Joy Luck Club. Um, the Amy Tan novel turned uh, movie that starred uh, Ming-Na. Hashtag, it's all connected. <laughs> Certainly a really nice catch there. Really, really nice. I'm sure they got a kick. You know, that's probably going on close to 20 years now uh, since that movie came out and um, I'm sure to kind of have an opportunity to uh, uh, to work together again uh, but it looks like Joy Luck Club yeah came out in 93 so 21 21 years ago as you know time certainly does go by Pete with that though we need to name uh, an agent of the week and this week in a close race as they often are uh, it goes to the one, the only, Jamie. And uh, I will certainly be in touch with her. I've fallen a little bit behind in uh, sending out some of the latest buttons, so I'm going to make it my priority this weekend to uh, to make sure that happens to Jamie and some of the other winners who have uh, who have that mail, uh, that envelope with their, with their name on it. So with that, Pete, we have crowned an agent of the week. However... I think speaking of prizes, is there are there some other people in the running for some other prizes? There is. We have our review raffle. Uh, we have a trio of new reviews. Uh, they're now eligible for the prize. We'll talk about once we've read their words here. 
Our first review was left for us by ZBT Skywalker on April 17th. The headline is a must listen for all Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. Five stars. The review reads, this is a complete and well-rounded review of show. Great conversation and insight on AOS and the MCU in general. Thoroughly enjoy it! Exclamation mark. Thank you, ZBT Skywalker. Skywalker. (laughs) The next review uh, comes to us from Stitch, who uh, last week uh, had written a review as well. So uh, getting a couple in here. Wow. Although there'll only be one Stitch name there in the uh, <clears throat> review raffle. So uh, fine print, uh, one entry per contestant. Um, on April 18th. <laughs> the, the love is appreciated nonetheless. Absolutely. Absolutely. On April 18th, uh, Stitch left a review headlined, I need a time machine, three exclamation marks, um, five stars. If only McFly hadn't parked the time machine on the railroad ellipse. I need it capitalized so badly (laughs) so I can watch the remaining Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode back to back. All of this, quote, good and bad, unquote, about Ward is having me biting my nails. Er, I mean, nubs. Wow. I love how these guys give a complete examination of explanation of the new AOS episode each week. If you are having post-AOS depression while you await the next episode, let these guys help your condition by giving them a listen. I enjoy it very much, and I always eager eagerly await the next episode and podcast each week. Also, I regret that I'm a bit overproductive with my email, you know, with spam and all, because my name is in the raffle anyway. Could I please submit an email afterwards? If perhaps my name is pulled, you both seem to be reasonable. So I hope you guys will understand. To Mr. Matt, in the words of Nick Fury, trust no one. Hint, hint. (laughs) To Mr. Pete, in the most non-distracting tone ever, what do you think about that Avengers Age of Ultron cast? Exciting stuff, huh? Exciting, exciting stuff indeed, Pete. It's wonderful to see people's kind of personality shining through in these reviews as well. Really, uh, really a nice touch. One more review here. Uh, this from Wolf Girl Fifteen, left on April nineteenth. Awesomeness is the headline. Five stars. Okay, I'm a new listener, and you guys are great. I'm catching up on certain podcasts and getting ready for the next episode. The way you guys break it down is really awesome. I really want my friend to listen, but she hasn't seen the movie, and I don't want to spoil it. We really want your friend to listen, too. Yeah. Literally, my final decision was to trust Garrett. Well, that backfired. Oh, and then Ward. (laughs) Seriously, that hurts. But on topic, sorry about that. Anyone who, any who love these podcasts, I uh, can't wait for the next episode. Unfortunately, my imaginary time traveling Phoenix refuses to take me next Tuesday. Ellipse. Oh, well, keep up the good work. A lot of time travel there. There is. Now, Pete, for people who are interested in being in the running for the review raffle, uh, why don't you just refresh all our memories there? We love your 
letters and your tweets and your emails. I got a smoke signal the other day. I'm still deciphering it. Um, we love iTunes reviews. Uh, positive, negative, doesn't matter. Um, and we have incentivized any new review we get between now and Sunday, May 11th, will be eligible to win their own Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Funko Colson bobblehead. We will be giving one away to uh, anyone drawn from that number of people. That drawing will be conducted the night of the finale in our final podcast. Uh, we hope just for season one, not for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for all time. Um, so if you would like to win yourself your own cool little Agent Coulson. I have mine on my desk. He's staring at me right now with his glasses and his badge. Um, you need to get your iTunes review into us. Uh, if you could also email us uh, at fantasticgeek um, at, at Gmail, Gmail uh, yes. and let us uh, just know your name. We promise we will uh, we'll keep it quiet. We won't spill it out there. <laughs> and uh, you know, should you win, you'll get the swag. Fun, fun, fun. I guess with that, Pete, let's start with your Twitter contact info because you are such a famous guy. Well, 3,036 followers can't be wrong over the uh, the magical 3,000 mark this week. Wow. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-T-L-R-K. E-T-E-L-A-A-R. Personally, I am on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, but uh, more and more lately, I'm spending time uh, doing our Fantastic Geek tweets. We have so many fine pals that are tweeting to us there. That's Fantastic Geek with PH. You can also send an email to fantasticgeek at gmail.com as uh, our friends did, uh, well, did just a, a couple of, uh, about an hour ago were when these emails were sent. Um, you can also leave a comment on the webpage, fantasticgeek.com, which, by the way, don't forget, will be featuring uh, our uh, trip to Philadelphia Star Trek convention in New Jersey land uh, in just August later this week. Well, Pete, as this episode of the podcast starts to conclude, uh, certainly looking forward to the three remaining episodes of the series for season one. Um, I assume we'll probably do like a season one wrap up whether it's the, the week following or or shortly thereafter but uh definitely starting to come to a close to this uh this first season of the podcast and uh i guess i will say adios to all our listeners and pete you get as always the final word shalom i just got to let you go good podcast tonight definitely good stuff thank you um just, just take a seat for a second i just want just take a seat in this chair i just want to want to hook up this uh these couple of monitors to you lately you've been saying some weird some weird things at the end of podcasts uh on twitter you mind if i just ask you a couple questions uh can i have a lawyer present 
it's just a little informal chat. I'm just going to stand here in front of in front of these, you know, screens here with these blippy lines and whatnot. Just going to ask you a couple questions just to just to calibrate the machine. Um, Pete, what's your favorite bases ball team? That would be the New York Metropolitans. Okay, okay. And a couple other questions. Um, would you say that you are you are loyal to Agents of Shield? Oh, definitely. Is is Shield uh, a, a group that you are kind of sympathetic to? Uh, indubitably. Okay. Now, why why are you podcasting Agents of Shield? Because I like it. Have Have you ever met Alexander Pierce? Uh, we almost shook hands once. Uh, are you are you a member of Hydra? No. Well, this this machine is all of a sudden. Oh my, I, Pete, Pete, 